listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson. The CDC released new guidelines this week for those who are fully vaccinated against the coronavirus. Many of us are still waiting for our turn to receive the vaccine, but as more people get those long-awaited shots and life slowly becomes a little more safe and a little less stressful, we're all scratching our heads when it comes to what we can actually do. After spending a year physically distancing and not doing many of the activities that were part of normal pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic life, it's a little confusing to know what's permissible and how to ease back into some of the things that we enjoyed before our worlds got turned upside down one year ago. Joining me now to talk about the CDC's new guidelines for fully vaccinated people is someone who has been following the topic very closely. Lena Sun is a national reporter for The Washington Post covering health with a special focus on public health and infectious disease. Lena, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Very nice to have you today. I really appreciate it. Um, as as I've been saying, it is the one-year anniversary of the first confirmed coronavirus cases uh, here in Michigan uh, being announced. And so the fact that we're talking about fully vaccinated people on that anniversary, I think, is pretty profound and, and offers a, uh, a a sense of hope that I'm, I'm so glad that we can infuse into this conversation today. But um you know, this this is no matter what how you slice it, it is a strange time in America right now. And some of us are vaccinated. Uh, many of us have yet to receive the vaccine, most of us. Uh, briefly tell us what the new CDC guidelines lay out in the coming months. What the CDC guidelines do is they offer you baby steps towards something that looks like a normal life. Um, if you're fully vaccinated, and that means two weeks after you get your final shot, that's when it will kick in, you can gather with other fully vaccinated people indoors. You can have a dinner party. You can talk and laugh and hug without masks or social distancing. And um, if you want to visit with another household of unvaccinated people, you can do so as long as the folks in that unvaccinated household are not at severe risk for getting sick. Mm. So if you are a grandparents and you haven't seen your daughter's children in a year, you can visit with them as long as your daughter is healthy, that kids are healthy. But let's say your daughter has um, an immunocompromised condition or is on chemotherapy for cancer treatment or your or the kid has some kind of um, other condition or it's more in the adult then the CDC advises that you still keep your mask and socially distance and better advised to do it outdoors Mm -hmm. so what the guidance does not do is answer specific questions like can you do this and can you do that because there's no one-size-fits-all and it's general guidance, and they say that it is the initial guidance and that they will update it and perhaps even loosen some of the travel restrictions if the new infections continue to go down and if more people continue to get vaccinated. But right now, over 90% of the population still is not vaccinated, and the levels of virus are very high, even though they have been coming down. 
And there was a, a, a phrase that you used once or twice in, in that that I think is very important, which is as long as. I think that that is something that we're hearing a lot when we're talking about this guidance from the CDC. Uh, and and I, I'm wondering what you make of the challenge that that creates, um, you know, all of these sort of ca- caveats and conditions and and trying to keep those straight uh, in, in messaging this to people, because pretty soon we're going to have a significantly uh, higher num- a percentage of the population that is going to be vaccinated and telling them what they can and can't do or what they are generally sort of um, is in their best interest is going to become a probably a bigger challenge, I assume. Yeah, I mean, and it is hard. Um, And I think the way you understand it is this to use common sense and to keep in mind a couple of things. This disease is transmitted through the air, right? So the less sharing of air you have with other unvaccinated people, um, the lower your risk. And if you are vaccinated, you are much more protected when you are in those circumstances where you are sharing air with other people whose vaccination status you don't know. So going back to the grandparents, the grandparents visiting um, a household or people living under one roof um, who are at low risk of COVID, they can do so without masks or social distancing. But let's say it's a beautiful day and the neighbors want to stop by. Um, So then you are mixing more than one household of unvaccinated people. Mm-hmm. And then then the guidance says, uh, then you should maybe move to outdoors or make sure you're in a really well-ventilated space and everybody should wear a mask. Because the more people you have who are not vac- vaccinated in an indoor space, the greater the risk. So that is why the CDC is still advising that you don't travel even if you are vaccinated because that means you are going to the airport, um, maybe taking that bus from the parking lot to the airport. So there's like mixing of air with unvaccinated people, right? Mm -hmm. And then waiting in line to board, you're again in that space. Restaurants are full of people who you don't know who are not vaccinated, maybe not wearing masks before you get on the plane. On the plane itself, um, experts say that air exchange is is not as worrisome as all those things around getting to the airport. Um, and, you know, as, as more people get vaccinated and as the virus has less of a chance to jump in you and replicate and do its bad stuff and maybe mutate, the, the better it is for everybody, not just you, but for everybody else. And you sort of see this sort of growing pool of vaccination protection, what we call herd immunity. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson today. I'm speaking with Lena Sun, national reporter for The Washington Post, covering health with a special focus on public health and infectious disease. We're talking about the new guidelines from the CDC about what you can do once you're fully vaccinated, what you still shouldn't do, and all of the things that you need to keep in mind um, before and after you get uh, your shots and become vaccinated against COVID-19. And, of course, the number on the lines is 313-577-1019. Have you gotten the vaccine? Will you continue 
to wear a mask and take precautions for the foreseeable future out of habit at this point or out of concern for others? Uh, at what point will you feel safe? Uh, I mean, you know, how have, have some of your family members received the vaccine, but maybe not all? How is your family navigating this in between time uh, when some of us are vaccinated uh, but some of us aren't. Uh, again, you can call 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also leave your comments on Twitter using the hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work those into the conversation. I want to go to John in Southfield uh, first. John, welcome to Detroit Hi, Today. Jake. Yeah, go Hi, ahead. Jake. How are you? Uh, you know, this time last year, I was a plant manager, and uh, when the covid uh, first hit, we, we, we went into crisis mode. One of the things we did, we divided our workforce into two groups and let them work on opposing days to limit their uh, association. We followed all the CDC guidelines with enhanced cleaning, disinfection, mask wearing. And But one of the things that we were most uh, noticed, noticed, excuse me, we were most grateful for is that we lived in a state where we had a governor that was proactive and, we, and who took this virus seriously. You know, I was a little disappointed about the uh, political protests that went on and last thing that I believe were organized by different business groups and her political opposition who, who tried to characterize mask wearing as some kind of denial of freedom. You know, me and my circle would always talk about, well, the governor is not asking us to go overseas and fight a war or to pay more taxes. They're just asking us to wear a mask that might save the life of another American. And to me, it was appalling that people weren't willing to even even do that hmm. to help a fellow American. Yeah, we're, we're hearing a lot of that today, John. And I think we've heard a lot about it over the last uh, months is that, um, you know, one of the things that I think so many of us are, are feeling is just sort of confusion over why. Um, you know, there the that just the basic guidelines here that that at at the very beginning didn't seem like it should have been all that political became so politicized. But of course, you know, it's an extension of our society and our our politics right now that it seems like everything needs to be politicized if there's any decision making happening uh, about it. But John, I really appreciate that call. Thank you so much for that perspective. Um, I want to go to John now on the east side. John on the east side, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great show, as usual. Thank you. Uh, and you were at one of uh, one of my favorite places in Detroit when uh, when this all went down. Uh, what's your story there? So uh, today and, and tomorrow we were uh, loading in the Dance Theater of Harlem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the Opera House. Yeah, at the Opera House, and uh, never happened. It, uh, we loaded it in a... And then we heard the Fisher was canceling their show. Then we heard WWE was canceling LCA, and mm-hmm. we knew that was done. So. Yeah, well, that was a huge weekend in downtown yeah, Detroit. Really there was. were so many. Th- I think Monster Jam was also going to be in town either then or, or very soon. Just so many productions and yeah. big uh, arena gatherings going on. So we went in uh, Sunday and loaded about the, uh, the Opera House and the uh, Fisher, and that was it. That's the last time we've been in the houses. So. Wow, and and John, how has this all played out for you? I mean, you know, we've uh, obviously you've, you've called in and shared some stories throughout the the, the previous twelve months, but overall, you know, uh, where where are you left sort of uh, feeling about all this uh, twelve months later? Are you feeling hopeful or pessimistic or not? The way people are acting right now, hmm. uh, but uh, it, it will eventually. 
you know, work its way out. And so it's, I don't like the way some of our states are acting right now. And uh, so. Yeah. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you calling in and, and sharing that story. Uh, Lena Sun uh, with the Washington Post, I want to ask you, you know, these COVID precautions, uh, they've really become so ingrained in our lives at this point. I mean, they're they're in the very infrastructure of some of our houses. I mean, we in, in my house, when, when before you leave the front door, there is a mask rack where we have all of our masks sorted by individuals in our in our house. Um, do you think that there's going to be a lag between the CDC issuing uh, these recommendations and vaccinated people actually feeling safe enough to go out and, and live life more freely? I think it sort of depends. Um, I have to tell you, I spent yesterday talking to public health and infectious disease experts who have been vaccinated and to ask them how they are living their lives, because I wanted to fill in for our readers some of the specifics that the CDC guidance doesn't do. And I came away with a couple of things certain things that you, they felt safe doing and I would feel safe doing is going to the dentist. For example, um, dentist is a healthcare professional. A lot of dentist office, all the personnel have been vaccinated. Everybody in there is vaccinated. And many dentist office have precautions where um, you don't wait in the waiting room. You wait inside your car. They call you in. You go do the cleaning. If the dentist, if the technician is vaccinated and you're vaccinated and you're in there for half an hour, the risk of, of transmission is really, really low, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kinds of things that people were saying that they, they definitely would do or schedule um, routine medical visits. I think... For us, many of the ingrained patterns of wearing a mask, that that is sort of something I do all the time. I don't really think about it. I wear a mask. I also always put on a seatbelt. Right. Um, I I don't ever not put on a seatbelt. That's just, you know, something I do. And to have a mask in the car or to have a mask by the door, it is no big deal. It doesn't hurt. Um, And uh, it does make you feel safer. And what I took away from having these conversations and the thought that here is one year to the day that we had to start working remotely is talking to people about the joy and the lessening of anxiety they felt because they were able to have friends and family members who were vaccinated in the home with them and talking and laughing and not having to wear masks and not having to have distancing and being able to hug one another. Yeah. That was really, really powerful. Absolutely. I mean, just thinking about all the things that we have missed out on in, in that regard over the last uh, year, although I know that there are some people that have enjoyed the distance. Uh, I definitely understand that, too. But, but I mean, we are such social animals as human beings, and, and the isolation uh, has been very, very difficult for, for so many people, and the idea of uh, being able to hug someone outside of your family, I think, is just so powerful for so many people. Um, you know, it, I also want to ask you about the vaccine rollout and how it sort of started out very slow nationally. That was absolutely the case in Michigan as well. Um, in recent weeks, of course, it seems that things are amping up. Um, so where are we at now in terms of the rollout and how far are we from reaching that much anticipated uh, herd immunity that the vaccine could bring us to? 
Well, you know, for herd immunity, the numbers that the experts, there's no one single number, but they estimate that 70 to 85 percent of the population needs to be vaccinated. And right now we are about 9.7 percent, according to the latest CDC figures. Um, It is still really hard to get vaccine. Demand is far greater than supply, Um, but it is uneven across the country. Alaska yesterday announced that they were opening up eligibility to anyone over 16. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, how long would it take for me to drive to Alaska? <laughs> Too long, right? A long time. I used to live in Alaska. <laughs> it's a long trip right. by plane. <laughs> but, so. but, and, but other states where I live in Maryland, the vaccine rollout has been a disaster mm. um, because the state and the county have different policies there um, and messaging has been terrible. Um, but I think over the next couple of weeks, States are hoping there will be more supply, and now they're planning to figure out how they're going to deal with that additional supply so they can keep up with demand. Because you need people to be able to uh, run these mass vaccination sites. You need to train people to put get the shots into arms. Yeah. And at some point uh, in the next month or two, um, they are worried that there will be so much vaccine that there will not be enough uptake. Um, among the different groups who have been most resistant. Oh, so the, a the lot of talk we become it becomes more of a demand issue than a supply issue at that point. Right. Um, and and sorry, about communities of, right. Sorry. <laughs> we're we're out of time. I'm so, I'm so sorry that we couldn't uh, uh, talk more about this. But Lena Sun, national reporter for the Washington Post covering health. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Detroit today. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you. That's all for Detroit Today. Tune in tomorrow. We will talk uh, more about this anniversary with Dr. Jonay Khaldun, Michigan's chief medical executive. This is WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Thanks for listening.